0: We're in the second week of a series we're going through called Emoji Jesus, and it's a series where we're looking at some of the different emotions that Jesus experienced and that he had that may be a little difficult, and to normalize that we all feel these things as well and then try to explore what do we do with some of the tougher emotions or more complex emotions that we have. Now, as I was preparing for this week and the emotion that we're going to be looking at, I was reminded of a great scene from one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a scene where a master swordsman who has dedicated his life to his craft becomes uh, into a, a battle with another craftsman of the sword, and they begin to fight each other And the fun part about it is they're both hiding something. And you may have seen this, you you may be familiar with it, but the the fighting is amazing. But do me a favor, pay attention to the dialogue. You are wonderful. Thank you. I've worked hard to become, sir. I admit it, you are better than I am. And why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not left-handed. Amazing. I ought to be after 20 years. There's something I ought to tell you. Tell me. I'm not left-handed either. consequence? I must Get used to disappointment. Okay. (laughs) Any other Princess Bride fans? Okay. Okay, great. So hopefully you've seen this. If you haven't seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you. The guy in the mask, his name is Wesley. He's pretending to be the Dread Pirate Roberts, but he really is the Dread Pirate Roberts, but he's not. You have to watch it. You'll understand what I'm saying. But this is one of my favorite clips, and here's why. Because Inigo Montoya has dedicated his life to craft and to to swordsmanship, and he has it down. And they're both so skillful, both the Dread Pirate Roberts and Inigo Montoya, and as they enter into the battle, they both have the same expectation. They will win. Right? Neither of them are stepping into this fight thinking, I got no shot in it. The expectation is, I will win. And then it's that line that Wesley says, and he uses it at the end of this scene, and it describes, I just, I I love it, I love it. He says, get used to disappointment. Get used to disappointment. I know it probably sounds pretty morbid, right? You love the line, get used to disappointment? Uh, Yeah, I I do. I think this is such a fascinating thing, but if you think about it, it's, it's morbid, but it's very true, isn't it? It's very true. Disappointment is part of every single one of our lives, isn't it? Every day. Over this last week, do you know how many comments I've heard from disappointed Eagle fans about last Monday? (laughs) You can continue to bring them to this Giants fan. I will hear you. Right? Disappointment lives with us for a while. I'll tell you, I I got pretty sick in the beginning of this week and just had such uh, trouble. I had these coughs, and it was just not great. I was disappointed, not that I got sick, but that I couldn't get the amount of work that I wanted to get done done. I had administrative things that I had to get done, and I couldn't. I was disappointed because I didn't accomplish all the things I wanted to do. And disappointment can feel like that, but it could go much deeper. Disappointment can be when we study super hard for that test, that exam, and you get your grade back, and it's not what you expect, and you think that's not fair. That's not what I deserved. I put more into it than that. Disappointment can come when we have certain expectations about our marriage on a spouse. And maybe it's on ourselves and we feel like we have failed as a spouse or a partner. Maybe we fail and you experience disappointment as a parent and thinking it should be different than this right now, or as a son or a daughter thinking, I I wish that I could listen better, I wish that I did obey things, I wish it was different. Disappointment will hit at least nine out of the 11 teams that go to the mall scavenger hunt today. Because only one junior high team and one senior high team can win. And yet the expectation of every team going in is, I'm going to win. Like, it's a sword fight. I'm going to win. You know, we can get disappointed. Have you ever been disappointed in the team around you thinking, I'm putting everything into this. They're not doing their part in this. And because your team, whether it's this group at school, this group at work, or even operating as a family, I'm giving it all, but no one else is. And the reality that you're sitting in is like, ah. Just disappointed no one else is contributing. I'm disappointed that, that that friend that I thought was one of my best friends is now the one talking crap about me on the bus. They're the one talking about me in the neighborhood chat, and, and now I'm not in that anymore. You see, disappointment has its way of working itself into every day of our life. And if we don't figure out how to handle it properly, we are on the easy pass lane to depression and to, to defeat. We have to learn how to deal with disappointment and get used to it. As in the words of Wesley, disappointment, get used to it, right? This is where you are. This is where I am. And the good news for us this morning is simply that Jesus himself experienced disappointment. And wildly, he experienced it a lot, a bunch of times. And so this is the emoji that we are going to be looking at today. This disappointed Jesus. How many of you have ever thought about a disappointed Jesus before? Yeah, so it's interesting because normally if we think about that, it's associated with his disappointment on us. Can I just pause and tell you that Jesus loves you? Disappointment's okay. We are all going to experience it. But that does not diminish his love. Let me just start there before we do anything. So to explore Jesus' disappointment. We're going to see it in Matthew 17, in a, the passage that Bill had read for us. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to the Gospel of Jesus, the biography of Jesus written by the tax collector Matthew, one of his followers. And chapter 17, it's going to be obviously the big number 17. So um, as you're turning there, let me just set this passage up a little bit for you because it's, it's, it really makes a difference. Uh, about 10 chapters before or so, or in chapter 10, Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples and he, the 12 of them, he says to each of the 12, I'm going to send you out in pairs to the surrounding area here. When you go out, you're going to be healing people. You're going to be casting out demons. And they kind of look at Jesus going, huh? Like you do those things, not we do those things. And he goes, no, 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 go do that. And so in faith, they step out, they go off pair into pairs, into these different regions, and the very things that Jesus told them to do, they're doing. They're healing people, they're casting out demons, and they come back to Jesus and they're like, you're never going to believe it! He's like, oh, I'll believe it. I told you it was going to happen. And they're so excited. They're pumped. A whole lot goes down in between that point and then up to chapter 17. When we are in, introduced into chapter 17, there's a moment where all of the 12 disciples and Jesus are together, and Jesus turns to three of the disciples, and he says to them, guys, listen, I need to retreat and go be with my father. Would you come with me up to this mountain? And he takes these three up to the mountain. He goes up with them, and it's there in this passage, it says that he was transfigured, which means he was physically changed and began to show in his glory. It's a really, it's a whole different message. So something miraculous happened on the top of this mountain while he was with these three disciples which means that the nine other disciples are left down at the base of the hill. Are you with me? Okay, so the nine are down there, and, and this is when we experience them doing something that I think is awesome. They're trying to continue the work that Jesus had told them to do. Continue to love people. They, they've continued to pray for people, to cast out demons, to heal. Right? They're, they're doing what Jesus was calling them to, but Jesus wasn't with them. Well... Jesus comes back down the mountain with the three disciples, and uh, he comes down to a bit of a hot mess. It's not quite the scene maybe he expected. Look at verse 14 with me. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. When it comes to disappointment, let me tell you, this story has disappointment written all over it. This is a story filled with disappointments, and uh, it is disappointments that... that, You know what disappointments are? They, They kind of begin when... We appear to have these ideas, these grand expectations of the way that things should be, but the reality that we live in does not match the hope that we have. This space right in between, this gap that's in between, this is where disappointment camps. Disappointment's going to camp in between our expectations and the reality we live in. This gap, that's where this begins, and there's two areas that I think disappointment really starts to settle in on us. Circumstances and people. These are the things we usually get disappointed at. Circumstances and people. Right? We believe a situation or a circumstance in our life should be different than it really is. And when that happens, we get disappointed. We experience disappointment. When you have that on people and you think people should be Different than they really are, how do we feel about people? Disappointed. This makes sense, doesn't it? it this is just, just it's, I'm not trying to be confusing. I'm just trying to be as, as clear as we can that disappointment is going to be normal. It's important for us to state and, and say, disappointment is not a sin. So if you think, I'm disappointed, I feel disappointed, that's not a sin. It is not a sin. Sin, which is displeasing God and not loving what God loves and teaching others to love what God loves. When we are not expressing love, sin comes in with usually what we do with our disappointment. How do we handle that with both the circumstances and the people? Let's look at the circumstances that Jesus encounters when he comes down that mountain, right? He left the nine in charge. Things have not gone like they planned, and I think that maybe the disciples had an expectation that things should continue the same way they were, even though Jesus is gone. Do you think this is an unrealistic expectation? I don't. I think they have faith in Jesus. They believe what Jesus said about them that you can go do this and so they're trying to do that, right? And so here they are and now everybody in the town has expectations on the disciples. And so a man brings his son who is suffering to the disciples and the disciples cannot heal him. The man had an expectation they could, but they couldn't. And so both the circumstance is not changing and the people are breeding disappointment. Neither expectation is met. The circumstance has everyone, when Jesus comes into it, disappointed. I bet you the disciples were feeling the, I expected we could do this, and because we can't, we're less than, and this is wrong, and and we're disappointed that you have to come down into this mess, Jesus. Like, it should have been different. It should have been better. And so Jesus, I think, being disappointed at what he comes down to see in both the circumstances and, and the people and the way this is being handled. I love what he says in verse 17. He says, Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Now, this is a difficult thing that Jesus says. Would you agree? Sometimes we like to skip over these things and go, no, no, like, let's just get to the part where he heals. Jesus says something very important here, and, and a lot of scholars do debate over the who that he's talking to when it says, like, is he talking to you, faithless corrupt people? Is he talking to the whole group of everybody who's around? Is he talking just to the disciples who are there? I will tell you that either way, it doesn't really matter for us this morning because what we need to see is that Jesus is expressing disappointment In the people that are right there, whether it's the disciples or the crowd, he is expressing his disappointment. He's not hiding it. He's not, you know, tucking it under and being like, let's just pretend everything's okay. He had high expectations for his disciples, I think that, and he always communicated that he wanted them to do certain things and and lead into this, but at this point in their life, do you know what he realizes? Even though he wants them here, the reality is they're here. And so he can have expectations, but these expectations are more desires because he sees and understands the reality. And, and while it's not the same, um, do you know that, like, that feeling that you get when you come home from one of the most amazing vacations? You have these amazing highs that you're like, oh, we were treated, we went to, I'm not going to say Disney World because that's anything but uh, refreshing. Um, you go away to your ideal place where nothing is expected of you, you have no contact with anybody except the people you want. And you are feeling great. And then you start to come on your way home. And as soon as you cross the the Wi-Fi threshold of your home, your phone starts to blow up. And that's when the texts start to come in, the emails start to come in. And it only takes like 10 seconds for you to get hit with 100 mile an hour of life as you hit your driveway. And then it only takes one person, one circumstance that there's a critique, there is an accusation, there is a fire and a bomb went off at work and you don't know what to do with it. It's one situation or person that could all of a sudden turn all of that rest into like, oh my gosh, I'm back in this. You've experienced this too, right? I think Jesus was at one of the most high moments in his life after that transfiguration, this amazing, miraculous, spiritual moment of connecting with his father. He comes down, and the house is a bomb when he came home, and it's like, I expected this would look different. And so what he says is very clear. He comes down the mountain, and before anyone asks, hey, how did it go up there? He's bum-rushed with a problem, with disappointment, a desperate dad, and so Jesus is like, How long do I have to put up with this? Like, how long do I have to put up with this? That's him clearly expressing emotion, the emotion of disappointment. We need to be able to say these things out loud, and it is okay to express disappointment. And it can be a passing emotion over something minor, sure. It can also be a very intense emotion that has the potential to completely change the direction of our life. Something can happen to us, a circumstance or a person that can completely shift the direction that we go, and then a disappointment that hits at that level, that becomes a shadow that follows us for the rest of our life that we live in. We, we begin to create a whole new identity around this disappointment that happened, and we don't know how to handle it. But most of us haven't handled it because we've never really expressed it. We don't express it usually because we don't want to hurt people's feelings because Jesus wouldn't do that. Yes, he did. He did it with love. He did it with care. Disappointment's not a sin. We have to be able to express it. But what we need to pay attention to is how we express it, how we say it. Whether the tension is a circumstance or it is a person, or a combination usually of both, The good news is you and I have a choice in how we respond. So how does Jesus respond after he expresses his disappointment? Well, look at the next interaction he has with the disciples. After he heals the boy, things have settled with everyone's emotions a little bit. In verse 19, Matthew writes that afterwards the disciples asked Jesus privately, so why couldn't we cast out the demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as mustard seed, You would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Do you you notice Jesus doesn't completely belittle them here? Why couldn't we do this? Well, you're the worst. Why couldn't we do this? Because you can't do anything without me. Like, if I wasn't here, this whole place would blow up. He doesn't do any of that. He points them actually to the reality that they are in. He sees the reality, and and he kind of points them to something bigger at the same time. Guys, what, what you're looking to do here is awesome, but it is a lofty goal for where you are right now. Your expectations are too high for your reality. That's because your faith is little. As your faith grows, if your faith could grow... Casting out a demon from a boy is going to be nothing. You could say to a mountain, move from here to there. That's a huge deal, guys. You could get to this place. But it's your faith growing. This is what's going to matter. Your expectations are in the wrong spot for the reality that you're living in. He doesn't take all of his disappointment out on the disciples. He doesn't rage on them. He points them to something bigger and better. But too often in our lives when we are hit with emotion, the emotion of disappointment, we tend to just camp there with it. We roll out a sleeping bag and say, we'll just stay here. And we let it affect so many areas of our lives that it only becomes bigger, it gets deeper. And then we begin to take that disappointment out on things that are not e- it's not even associated with. It begins to infect the relationships and the circumstances around our life. We have to remember that God gave us emotions to process life. This is how we know what's going on. So when we feel them, we have to pay attention. And when we experience painful emotions like this, it's important for us to learn to express them appropriately rather than reactionary. When we are disappointed with something, <laughs> when, we, when I get disappointed If I respond quickly and react to that disappointment, I'll be the first to tell you it is not usually the most appropriate response. What I say may be true, but how I say it is going to be demeaning, it's going to be hurtful, and it will likely be manipulative. So I have to slow my roll and say, what am I disappointed in? What was I hoping for? What was going on here? I'm feeling this. Was I expecting a different outcome here? If I can't pause to figure that out, I'm just going to start yelling. And I'm not just going to start yelling about how I was hurt or how I was disappointed. All the other things that I never expressed about disappointment tend to come into that, don't they? They start to compound to become bigger because we've never expressed it. I do think this happens. This is not in here. Um... I just wonder this morning how many of you are disappointed in God right now, thinking He should have done something He didn't do. He should have showed up in a way He didn't. He has let you down. And you're so frustrated, but you're scared to death to tell Him you're disappointed. I have good news for you this morning God can handle your disappointment. It's an emotion He gave you, it's okay. He's big enough to handle your frustration with him. He's had, we've got 66 books all written about people's disappointment in God. And you know what else it is? It's a story of his constant care, listening, and redemption of that disappointment. He'll listen and he cares. So where do you find yourself when it comes to disappointment this morning? Do you find yourself disappointed with where life has you today? Do you think it, you should have been in a different place than you are right now? Maybe you thought it would be more exciting. You thought you'd be married by now. You thought you would have a better job, have those promotions. You'd be in this school or that school. It's just not where you thought it was going to be. Maybe for some of you, you thought being a parent was going to be different than it is now. You didn't think you'd be fighting as much as you are. You didn't think that you'd be taxing around and, you know, people not wanting to eat food that you make because it's icky or doesn't—I don't like the way it looks. I don't like the way it looks and you're like it doesn't matter just eat it I don't like the way it looks you won't see it's in your stomach it doesn't matter <gasps> oh that's not anger I'm feeling it's disappointment disappointment they won't and, and we have this frustration maybe you thought it was going to be different and it's not the big things that disappoint you all the time it's everyday little things that just build up and you now live and wake up disappointed maybe it's the job you feel overqualified underpaid and underappreciated and it should be different and that's what i want and the expectation is here but this isn't where real, this isn't the reality i live in you have that expectation on coworkers your teams and so what do you do you carry disappointment with you and you don't know why Maybe your parents are getting older now, and they're getting sick, and you think, I expected my life to be able to do what I wanted to do at this age. Like, I've worked hard so I can get here now, and now now my parents are getting sick, and and just taking up my time and my energy, and I wish I could be doing something else. My expectation is it would be different right now, but it's not. If you don't know how to express that disappointment, your resentment will go right towards your parents, and you will hold it against them instead of care for them. You see, we all are carrying it, right? It's all there for us. Can I just, if you're, if you're in school right now, for those of you in CB youth or young adults who are in school, there are expectations you have that our culture has put on you to be a certain way, to do a certain thing, to get to a certain place And I just need to tell you that that some of the expectations that the world has for you are not realistic, and so you are walking around constantly feeling disappointed, and like you have failed your teachers, your parents, your siblings, your family, and if you don't get to this place, you have not been successful. And I just need to tell you that is a lie, because that's not what God says and expects of you. He expects you to set an example in the way that you live, you speak, you love in purity and in, in your language to the whole church. He expects you to go after him with all that you have and obey his commands and to love God and love people. How you do that can be expressed anywhere you go. That's what he expects of you. If you let that define where you go, it'll disappoint people around you, I promise you. That's okay. Let them deal with that disappointment, but go after Jesus, start now, because the rest of us are trying to deal with... I didn't even want to do these things, but I did it anyway because my parents expected me, my parents wanted me this. And the, the amount of adults who surround you right now who hate their jobs and wish they never did it, you'd be surprised. Do what God calls you to do, not what the people around you call you to do. Is it you with me? And if that frustrates some of you parents, I'm not even sorry. <laughs> Train a child in the way they should go, and when, they, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Forget about putting your expectations on your kids because you will always be disappointed in them because if you didn't do it, why do you expect them to? Just because you worked hard to get to the place that you are and thinking, well, that'll provide them the opportunity. Sure, but if they don't take it, that's not your fault and it's not your responsibility. What if God has something different? What if we spent more time asking God, what's the will for my child rather than what's my will to impute on my child? I'll just leave that there. (laughs) Um, You're welcome. (laughs) A lot of the expectations we have on each other and that we're dealing with are unspoken. They're just unspoken. And if we don't clearly put out the expectations that we have for each other and say, this is what I'm really dealing with, what I hoped for, what's there, and it's just not meeting it, we're never going to come to any resolved. So listen, God's made this vacant space that we have here Of expectation and reality, a gift to us of disappointment because it will reveal things about us. If you're looking at a spouse right now and expecting that they will fulfill you or think, if I'm in that relationship, I will be important, and that's where you're going to find your value, you will always be disappointed because you're never going to find it that way. Because there's a space in us, just like there's this gap here, there's this gap in us that our value and our worth will only be found in God, not in vocation, not in a paycheck not in a college degree, it is simply in God. That's all it's going to come down to. And the moment we're trying to find our value in something else, our importance in something else, we will live a disappointed life. And when we live a disappointed life and we are disappointed in where we are, we are now seeing ourselves in a different way than God sees us. God sees us and says, I love you. God sees us and says, I know you want to be here. But right now your faith is here. How about we take a step towards this, but stop expecting this of yourself and the people around you, and stop putting the expectations that you can't even attain to onto the people around you. Take a step to actually looking at reality. You and I have limits, and Jesus invites us into that to say, find your identity in taking steps towards me. It would be much better The hard thing about disappointment is this. Not only do we experience it, we have to do something with it. Um, If we don't, it's going to create this wedge. Um, There's a woman named Vicki Craft. I loved this image that she had, and I just want you to see it really quick, this wedge of what happens with disappointment in our life. Um, As I've looked at this over and over, I realize this is a strategy that Satan uses against us all the time, right? He uses this to invade our spirits and to bring us down until we feel defeated. And disappointment starts, and it's not that big of a deal, but it is there, and it's not bad, it's not sin, it's there, but it's the tip, and it seems harmless. But if we let that disappointment fester, this wedge is driven in a little farther, and we begin to experience discouragement. Discouragement left unchecked quickly leads to a disillusionment. We can't see things clearly. They make no sense, right? And, and when that wedge invades us even more, and we're not seeing things clearly. You know what that leads to? It leads to depression. And if you ever say to someone who's depressed, why can't you just get your act together? There's great things. Look around. Look around. Make a list of the things that are great. Do you know why they can't do that? Because they've been through disillusionment. They cannot see things the same way you see things. You're expecting something of them. That's not reality, And so depression hits, and when you're in that place, and you've worked your way down to this, and it's like, you know what? No one understands where I'm at. No one gets it. Do you know what that leads you to? It leads you to defeat of, I I got nothing left. I'm done. I can't do this. I give up. How do we get there? Well, one step at a time. If we could take one step towards Jesus, we could take one step towards defeat. When we allow these things to fester and to sit, that's what happens. Remember that disappointment is not a sin. This is a gift that Jesus experiences and then calls his disciples to something better. The same should be true of us. We're allowed to experience this, but it should call us into hope, not defeat. That's the direction. So however you find yourself, if you find yourself today near the top of this wedge and you can identify, think of a, a situation or think of a person where maybe there's divide and you're like, ah, what do I do? Where are you? Is there disappointments that have never been addressed? Are you discouraged because things didn't go the way that you wanted? Are you not seeing things clear? If you're at that place, you need someone else who can see to help you before you begin to get depressed and can't see. You see, our job is not to fix people's problems, it's to help them work towards reality. That's all we're going to be doing with each other, pointing each other towards Jesus and working that way. If we all experience disappointment, great, let's normalize it. It's going to happen. You're going to be disappointed in me. You may be today. You tell me all the time, that's okay, I'm going to disappoint you. You disappoint me. Do you know that? I love this church a ton, but you disappoint me sometimes. So it's mutual, isn't it? At least we know why, and we can figure that out. And then, that's where love comes in. That's where grace comes in. I like the way that the Apostle Paul writes it in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica. When he writes to this church, he says this. He says, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I just love this verse because Paul makes it clear that that people are going to do wrong to us, aren't they? This is going to happen, and our tendency is usually to pay back wrong with wrong, but instead what we need to do is to reset and do what is good. And the key to this, I think, is found in verse 18. It just says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. The key to battling discouragement and disappointment is thanksgiving. This is is our first and most primary tool, is thanksgiving. When disappointment comes, what can we be thankful for? And it is that God has a better plan for our life. And since he has a better plan for our life, that he knows and desires us to be conformed to the image of Christ, there is always something to be thankful for because he is present with us where we are. He is not absent from our disappointment. He's not absent from these expectations. He sees them. He knows them. Sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to tell us, What in the world am I disappointed at? And He's like, Oh, you don't even know what's underneath that. Let me show you why you're disappointed. It's like, Oh, thank you for that. Man, I needed it. But Jesus is with us in it. And so if He's with us in it, that means that there's always something to be thankful for. We are not alone. We start at a place of thanksgiving. But most of us don't start after we're disappointed with thanking God for things. We start by reacting and start spraying all over everybody. How different would it be if we paused for just a minute and actually asked the questions, why am I really disappointed right now? What did I expect that's different than reality? If we can identify it, we can identify then, I expected they would do this and they didn't you know what, maybe I didn't train that person right. This isn't completely their fault. Well, then you can just own your part in it. You're still allowed to experience the disappointment. But I don't think we would be nearly as disappointed in people if we knew what we really expected. We would be able to love each other with a lot more grace because then, I really do believe this, I think we'd be able to show grace because we'd realize what kind of expectations people have on us that we'll never meet. And if we know that, hopefully we can begin to extend grace to each other. I need that from you. You need that from me. We need that for each other. So, wherever you are today, I want to challenge you to put realistic right in the forefront. And if you're frustrated, what are you expecting? Is your marriage on the rocks right now? You, there's a tension there. What did you expect? Is that even realistic? Some things are very realistic. Some are not. I don't think you can determine it alone. You need each other. We need to do it in community. Because I don't know about you, but I always think I'm right. My expectations are always legit. Just ask my kids. (laughs) Having gone through and trying to do this as much as I can, especially this week, I will tell you the amount of times I've had to apologize to my kids, to my wife, even to to someone on staff of expecting something, trying to get clarity with elders, what do you expect of me in this and doing that? Because if I don't know what's expected of me, I'm going to disappoint you. So it's helpful to know at least how I'm disappointing. Or it helps me grow and to say, this should be a reality. Let's take a risk, Crossbridge, and communicate our disappointment in healthy ways. If Jesus could do it, we can do it, and it doesn't get to get expressed with, you stink, and here's how you've let me down. But it starts with, I think this could be more Christ-like. I'm sorry for my part in this. I'm sorry for how I contributed in this. I expected this, and I just didn't feel met. Can you help me? Let's be that church. Will that be messy? Welcome to Crossbridge. This is who we are. But I would rather that than pretending and fights and unspoken expectations that leave this weight of guilt and shame on us as we walk around. Jesus was disappointed, but he called his disciples to something better. And when he said to them, You have faith to move mountains, as they grew and as they got older and started to move into their ministry, do you know what they did? They didn't necessarily move physical mountains, but man, did they pray for miracle after miracle and step into a faith that continued to increase as they exercised it. And I bet you, as they entered the throne of heaven after they died, Jesus welcomed them and said, see, you got what I meant, right? You weren't there when you started, but man, you got to that place, you see, it's like, man, can't believe I expected that in the beginning. I was a rookie, but I grew. Let's grow to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we prepare to approach the communion table to this morning, I just want to spend a minute in silence together to prepare our hearts for communion, to ask the Holy Spirit, would you speak to us about an area that we're disappointed would you, would you bring a situation, a person, an image to our mind that would be clear? Speak to us. Something that's clear that, that we need to say, whether it's on ourselves, on someone else, or a situation, there's a gap. And if there's sin involved of expecting something that's not realistic and it needs to be brought down, asking God to just kind of reveal that to us so that we could take those steps in that space. So let's just spend a minute together in silence. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us so that you would begin to, in this moment, pictures or words or ideas or situations that seem like they are weights right now, that you say there's a difference in what you're expecting of people that is not the way Jesus would love them. And whatever it is that that we need to address so that we can see health and wholeness there, Holy Spirit, we give you this space to reveal those things right now. Holy Spirit, as you have revealed things to us, I ask that you would give us the courage to take the steps that we need to, whether it's with ourselves, with others, with you. Jesus, thank you for constantly inviting us back into relationship. Thank you for demonstrating that with the disciples, that you didn't say, I need to pick new ones now because this team failed. You said, let me show you the way follow me, and they did. And we're here thousands of years later because of their faithfulness. We want to be faithful. So Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to handle this well. In Jesus' name, amen.